Well, hello there, you smart cookie, and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast, number five communication podcast in the world. And I thank you for being a part of that. Our purpose here is to have better conversations, to say what needs to be said, to speak up, to encourage dialogue at the personal level, at the business level. Communication remains the number one success skill. It's the difference between good and great, no matter what your domain is. And that's what we're here to talk about. And today it's episode 157. We're going to talk to a branding expert. Her name is Brenda Bentz. She's located in Singapore. But before we dive into that interview with Brenda, I want to mention our sponsor, which is the amazing book, The Practical Guide to Effective Communication, available on Amazon. It has everything you need to know to be that person that get that promotion, to be that executive, that leader that you want to be, that that next step, how to speak up, how to speak up effectively, how to ask for things, how to engage an audience in your presentation, how to build your culture. At, at, even if you're at a big company and you're a, you know, a team lead or a senior director, you can build the culture where you are. This book is also introvert friendly. It's also illustrated. It's packed with information about communicating better that's presented to you in a way that is not boring because don't be boring is my personal and professional motto. So please go check out the book, The Practical Guide to Effective Communication by Laura Camacho. And we will dive into episode 157, which is personal branding tips for up and coming executives. So this is for you you know, most of you are either uh, small business owners or director level, senior director, VP level at uh, the name brand companies and some that are not as well known, but definitely smart cookies. So let's welcome Brenda. All right. So Brenda is known globally as a pioneer in the field of personal branding with 20 years of experience with the big, big companies like Procter & Gamble and Bristol Myers Squibb. She's very familiar. She's worked with those big billion dollar brands. And now she's applying that to coaching senior leaders. And she's doing that in the international sphere. She works a lot in Asia, but also with European and American companies. She was recognized as a Thinker's 50 as a world leader in coaching. So I'm super excited about today's episode because Brenda's going to talk to us, kind of help us update our conceptualization of personal branding, how as uh, emerging or growing leaders, though I know most of you or a lot of you have one toenail in that executive suite, and that's where you have the sights on getting into that executive suite. So how building a brand, what is that anyway? How is it different post-COVID? And what do we need to know? So Brenda, what, welcome to the Speak Up podcast. And why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got here. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. I really look forward to this conversation. So thanks for inviting me. Listen, as you mentioned, I came from the branding world and I was a leader in branding and I always loved leadership and I always loved branding. And so when I started my own business, I wanted to find a way to combine the two. How could you take branding and leadership and combine them? And one day I was sitting in my office and it hit me every corporate brand in the world, every brand, if I ask you to favorite brands, you know, and love, 
you would tell me their names. I can guarantee you there are six elements that go into defining them. And one day it just hit me. I said, I'll take those same six elements and we're going to apply them to leaders. And I've made an entire career out of doing that. So develop the three-step process for building a brand as a leader in an organization. And I work with, as you said, corporate execs and leaders all around the world, six continents. I have not cracked Antarctica yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there may not be much of a market there yet. Got a lot of, a lot of penguins. There are differentiate. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's super interesting, Brenda, because even though I have a PhD and studied political rhetoric and help people become Latin American dictators, if they're interested in that, which not too many people are. I learned so much about communication, trying to build my business, which I started in 2009, because I thought very naively that being a communication skills expert, that was all I needed. But guess what? That's just table stakes. And then I realized that as I developed the chops of being able to talk about my business, you know, most people, frankly, don't find communication skills that compelling of a topic. I'm kind of in there with the IRS as far as how do you natural innate interest in the topic. So learning to make that interesting. And as you know, that is what makes a leader interesting. And especially, you know, a lot of the people in our audience are introverts, as am I. And I know you have a lot of experience working with introverts. And we just naturally tend to economize our words and our responses. And so a lot of times people soon they don't have anything to say because we're not dominating the meeting. But I know you're in Singapore. Tell me, how did you get to Singapore? Well, the easy answer is by plane. But I, <laughs> but no, okay, no. Actually, I've been working all around the world with large corporations anyway. And I'd worked in the US, then moved to Western Europe and then Eastern Europe. And then I moved into Northern Asia. And then I went to Southeast Asia with corporations as an expat. And then just, I wanted to start my own business. I started it when I was based in Thailand, actually. Interesting. I was based there for a big job and decided to start my own business. And then Singapore just is such a phenomenal place for business. It's what listed amongst the top five countries in the world where you want to be for starting up a business. And we said, let's do it. So moved to Singapore and have been here now for 12 years and really yeah. love it. That's awesome. And unfortunately, with today's world, I can do coaching and speaking and leadership all around the world with the push of a button. So I know that is extremely exciting. And of course, my knowledge of Singapore is mostly from Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan. <laughs> but he did a great job of marketing the country of in creating that mystique and the food culture, which is something I really identify with. So tell me, let's start by talking about why do we need branding? Because if we're doing a good job, because this is where people get tripped up, they think that they're doing excellent work. It's been recognized from time to time, very consistent, high performer. So why do we need to know branding? Yeah. People often say to me, you know, Brenda, look, you've got me all wrong. I don't want, nor do I want to have, you know, don't want to have, I don't have a brand. I don't want to have a brand. You don't get me. I'm a wallflower. I get into work. I do a great job. I get my accolades now and then. I get my review once a year. Why, what's this branding stuff? Why do I need that? And to what I say to them is, well, guess what? You already have a brand, whether you like it or not. And the thing is, if you are not aware of what it is, you're letting someone else define it for you. 
So let me explain what I mean by you already have a brand. Your brand is the way others perceive, think, and feel about you. Those three words are foundational, perceive, think, and feel. Perception is reality and branding, meaning the way you are perceived is what your brand is, whether you like it or not. We think about brands. It's a logical, rational, I think about somebody a certain way, but I also feel a certain way. Perceptions, thoughts, and feelings, all three of those form the way you want people to perceive, think, and feel about you. But here's the point. That perceiving, thinking, and feeling is going on right now. So you already have a brand. And the point is, if if you don't know what it is, you're leaving it to others. And number two, that means you're not taking charge of it. So it becomes really important. We all have one. How well you manage it is the difference between success and roaring success. Oh, I love that. And I love that distinction. So would you say, when and in this context that you're talking about branding, because I think part of the reluctance to accept this reality that you're mentioning is that it sounds a little bit commercial or that we're not being humans. Would, would you say that in, in the context that you're referring to as branding is the same as reputation? Well, reputation is the past. Mm-hmm. Your reputation okay. is based on how you've been in the past. Mm-hmm. Your brand is based on how you would like it to be. So you can actually embrace how you would like to be. Yeah. And I'm glad you raised the point about, you know, a lot of people think, oh, branding, it sounds so, I'm so great. I'm wonderful. Look at me, 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 which nobody likes. Okay. Especially as you mentioned, introverts. No, no, no. We don't like that. Right. But the point you have to, there's a very important word in the definition I shared with you that we often overlook, but it's the foundation to success in branding. I said, your brand is the way others perceive, think, and feel about you. Those others are the most critical part of your brand because it's not about then the brand myth I often hear, Laura, is your brand is all about you or my brand is all about me Uh uh-uh, because it can't be. Remember, it's the way you want others to perceive, think, and feel. So those others are the most important part of your brand. And when you take that mindset on, guess what? It isn't about you. It's about making sure that others are experiencing you in the way you would like to be experienced. It's a very other-centric approach to branding, which is so foundational. Because I think the reason people don't like branding is it sounds like pounding my chest. You know, I'm great. I'm wonderful. Look, And nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. Exactly. That's so interesting that the way you're phrasing that, because in my work with communication, which involves giving feedback or speaking up in scary meetings or giving presentations, and I always say, it's not about you, it's about your audience. And so it's kind of the branding and the communication are intertwined or embedded. Absolutely. Together, right? And Laura, you know, especially with leaders, anybody, whether they're in their mid-career, whether they're moving into senior level leadership, it's not about you. Leadership is never about you. Leadership is always about those you are leading. And so branding becomes even more critical in when it comes to leadership branding. How do those others perceive, think, and feel about you as a leader? That's right. And if you're not speaking up enough, then they're not thinking about you enough. And then that's a problem, right? Actually, let me share something. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I talk about that too. When you speak up too much, what brand are you creating? When you speak up not enough, what brand are you creating? Because no matter what you do, you're creating a brand. Whether you're speaking, whether you're not speaking, whether you're talking too fast, talking too slow, whether you're talking with a high pitch, with a low pitch, whatever it might be, you are creating a brand. 
So again, it's really good for us to just reflect that those perceptions, thoughts, and feelings are happening at every moment. That is so true. And it is gives you pause to, to think about that it's worth investing, whether you're working with a coach or just working by yourself or with a mentor at the office, being more effective in the way other people perceive you. Because if you're light, for example, you're going to get a lot easier time getting your request approved and getting on those more interesting projects, but they have to like you and you have to do good work. So it's all about the other people, their perception of you. I think that's a major takeaway, which is the same ineffective communication. So I want to pivot a little bit or just take the same idea of your brand is about how other people perceive you. What do you see as what is happening or what is it like out there? What are you seeing trend-wise since you have you know this great location in Asia, working all over the world? We're on the other side of COVID. We went through, we went home, we started working from home and now we're getting back. Like, how has your work changed? How has the workplace changed and how is that affecting the branding? Yeah. Well, look, as a leader, you know, many leaders during COVID, they were not used to this box in front of us, right? This, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> this how do you lead? I know I coached a, a CEO, for example, who started a company, 12 countries, 12 countries, several tens of thousands of employees, and he never got to see them for two years. Right. He was in a country wow. where you couldn't travel. Now, how do you create a brand? Think about the way people perceive, think, and feel about you. How do you create a vision and lead people to inspiration when you're sitting in front of a box all day long? Right. And these right. are the challenges we all have, no matter where we are in our career. How do we make sure that we are, we're communicating our brand in the way that we want? And so I really spend a lot of time helping leaders get past what I call the virtual mental barrier, mm, the virtual mental barrier. Well, it's a sense of a lot of people say to me, oh, Brenda, just being on video is just not as good as in person. It's just not as good. No matter what you say, it's just not as good. And to them, I said to them, if you walk into any conversation thinking, I will not be as good because this is on video, guess what? You will not be as good because it's on video. You're right. You're right. You're <laughs> you will right. prove yourself right. What you think is what you get. And so, really helping people get comfortable with it's not about the how, it's about the what. Why? The what? And the what. Well, I like the what. I'm not a big okay. fan of why because I think when you ask people why, people get a little bit defensive sometimes. Why? Why? You have to prove yourself. Okay. Why? Okay. Prove yourself. Okay. Right? okay. Whereas with the what, what's the bigger what? I'm trying to build a trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Be a, a clear communicator. I'm trying to make, you know, a build up a strong, positive outcome that we're working on here. That's my what. Mm-hmm. How I do that, whether it's in person, whether it's by phone, whether it's by video, whether it's by pigeon, whatever flying. The point yeah. is, right? The point is focus on the what, less on the how. And once you can do that, you can get past that virtual mental barrier of that I'm on a video or I'm, you know, whatever. You just, it's about remembering I'm here to build trusting relationships with the people I engage with. All right. So let's take that one step further to, for everybody out there in the audience. And they're saying, okay, Brenda, great. How do I do that? Give us some tips about building those trusting relationships. Well, I think the key thing is you got to watch what's going on inside of you. I always say the first job of any leadership role or any role is an inside job. Yes. You know, it all starts okay. on the inside, you okay. know, and, and just to give an example, being on a video 
Okay. All the time. <laughs> Think about that. When else do you have a video where you're looking at yourself? I know. Isn't it weird? Isn't that odd? I mean, it's yes. just odd. It's just it weird. Is. So it I always is. tell people, turn off your self-view. You can turn off your self-view. Oh, I did not know that. Absolutely. Oh. Turn off your self-view. There's a little, like if you're using Zoom, there's a little button. It hide the self-view. Microsoft Teams, you can shrink it down to an infinitesimal size so no one can see you. The point is, don't look at yourself while you're talking. That's just the most uncomfortable thing in the world. It's so unless... distracting. <laughs> and we all tend to look at ourselves because we're not used to seeing ourselves, right? right? And right. so just get rid of that for sure. Get rid of that. So then you start focusing on the person or people on the other side of the screen instead of looking at yourself and being self-conscious. So that, that's I a big that. shift. Yeah. Yes. Another one for being on screen and being a good connection is if you think about you were sitting across from someone at a table, Laura, mm-hmm. what would you see of them? You mm-hmm. would see their chest up, right? Right. Right. But yet some people do this creepy, eerie lean point in your whole face is in the oh, screen. And I it's know. like, that's just creepy. That's too big. Right. right? Let's, right. So think about what they would see if you were sitting across from them at a table, they would be chest up. That's mm-hmm. how you should be sitting with mm-hmm. your chest up so that mm-hmm. people can see you just as much as if you were sitting across from them at a table, use your hand gestures. We are naturally looking, you know, this as a communications expert, 80% of all communication is nonverbal. Right. So make sure you're using your hands. Make sure you're using your facial expressions on camera to help people understand where you're coming from. That's really foundational as well. And there's another one I learned, which is interesting. I learned it from a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, actually, who has been doing diagnosis on screens for many years. He said, you should have your arm about one and a half arms length away from the screen. Oh. And when you do, that allows you to be able to see as much of that person as, again, you would see if you were sitting across from them in an office. I was doing that while she was speaking and almost lost my laptop, but (laughs) I had to move my desk. I like that. An arm and a half. An arm and a half's length away from your screen. And that will give you a good, that's about the right distance to be away, to be approachable, be like you would be at a table, but yet you're not too close in or not too, too far away. I love, I love when things are just practical and you can go and apply it. So I just want to recap some of these for the people listening. You may be listening in your car. Uh, Brenda's been enlightening us about how to really be more effective in the virtual context. And so one of the ways of thinking about it is that in the screen, you want to be able to see yourself or you want other people to see you as if you were at a table. and. And so that involves probably getting this camera a little bit further away. She also recommends turning off the self view, which is hide self view, which is an option in the settings, which I'm going to do as soon as this call is over (laughs) and using the hand gestures and your camera should be an arm and a half away from you, but be careful. You might push your laptop off your desk. So you might need to move your desk. So those, if we had grown up being television news anchors, we would know all this stuff because that's what they do all day. But you know, none of us yeah. ever thought we would be in that, but we really are broadcasters. So I love We all time. did. Within a matter of a month or two, we all became producers. <laughs> right? yes. We're all producing our own shows on television, right? Or yes. like practically 
because we have every time we step into a meeting room, quote unquote, we're on, we're producing, are we at the right distance away? Are we in the right location? That's another thing. You should be making sure that you're focused in the middle of the screen, right? Mm -hmm. Equally on the vertical side, equally on the horizontal side, just to make sure that you've set nicely. You have seen that kind of person where they're all you can see is their eyes or all you oh, can yeah. see is yeah, yeah, the, or their yeah. head looks so small in comparison yeah. to the screen. Or and I don't want to get big. yeah. And I don't want to get too executional, but the point we're doing this comes back to the strategic point of we're trying to make a good connection. Mm-hmm. And I can't make a good connection with you if all I can see is your forehead and your nose. Right. right. I mean, right. it's how would you see that person in person? in a way that would make you feel very natural and comfortable. That's what we're aiming for. Right. Which I think is what happens is that that when you're too close or your view is weird. Remember early COVID, we were watching, looking at people's noses. It's distracting. And we have enough distractions working from home. It could be the Wi-Fi, the dog, the in-law, the child. I mean, so we for the benefit of your audience or for the other people, for that connection, you want to eliminate these distractions. Yeah. Yeah. So helpful. I love all these. And we still need it because I'm still seeing the teeny tiny head or the the hand that feels like it's going to slap me because the person is too close to the screen. And hybrid is not is hybrid is here to stay. Okay. And virtual is here to stay. So, I mean, what I'm hearing around the world is this is going to stay. This is going to become a part of how we operate long-term. So going back to the office 100%, I'm not hearing that. A couple of countries in Europe, maybe the Nordic region, I'm hearing some of that. But honestly, other than that, I'm hearing everyone saying, you know, two or three days at home or two days at home working is fine. So we're going to see how this all plays out. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about the hybrid because I usually work one-on-one or I'm teaching a class and teaching for me since COVID started was mostly online. Then May of 2021, I started having some in-person workshops. And then this year, earlier this year, I did my first hybrid. So there were, it was a small group. So there were probably 10 people in a conference room in New York, and then two people or three in different South American countries who were on screen. And I was on screen. And I mean, the first one I found extremely challenging. And what I found that helped would be to call out, you know, make sure the people on screen are welcome because you do feel like you're left out of the party, right? So what is your advice for leadership in the hybrid context? So here's what I would say. Avoid hybrid in all possible ways. I'll tell you why. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm being honest with leaders. I tell leaders this. And here's why. It's not the same experience. Yeah, it's not. There's different audiences having different experiences. And as a leader, you want to have the best connection and get the best outcomes as possible. But if you've got some people who are feeling neglected, they're not feeling they're ignored. You've got some people who are feeling left out. You've got some people, guess what? That's not great leadership. Mm -hmm. That's just not not great leadership. And in today's world with DEI, diversity, inclusion, equity, we absolutely have to make everyone feel that they're just as important as everybody else. Right. So if you're doing a hybrid event, there's a good chance people are going to feel left out. And today, that's the last thing we need in today's world is for people to feel they're being left out because they'll just walk. They'll vote with their feet. The great resignation wave is alive and well. 
So I always just say to leaders, do everything you can to avoid hybrid. Now, here's what's interesting. I've done events where I've had clients call and say, no, 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 you don't understand. We, I speak as well. We need you to do a hybrid because we're going to have a group of people in a conference room in Mm -hmm. Brunei, and then there's going to be 20 people at home Mm -hmm. on their laptops. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what I ended up doing? No, tell me. Everybody in the conference that's in person brings their laptop. Okay. 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 And we all have the same experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're sitting next to each other at a table, but they're having the same experience. The interaction is happening on the computer. So those 20 people at home are all having the same experience as the people in that room with their laptops. So just to clarify, so the people in the meeting room all are sitting around this table, all with their laptops. And okay. So it basically becomes, it becomes a virtual event. Yes, but it's not. It becomes a virtual event. To hear the person through the microphone or through. And they have to have, they have have earbuds. Yeah. Everyone has to have earbuds. Yeah. Well, I think that does sound like really the only way to do it because I felt left out and I was the one teaching the thing, but it's awkward. It's awkward because, and the reason it's awkward is you're kind of, you're trying to please two different audiences. And the way you would work with someone in person is very different than the way you would work Mm -hmm, online mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. communicate the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's what I recommend. And it's interesting to see how many companies go, you know what? You're spot on. Let's do it that way. Let's do that. Yes. Well, I haven't, I'm going to follow that. And I I advise everyone. It is so awkward when you're left out of the room and to just. It's not even just awkward. It's actually. Like I said, it goes against DEI efforts mm-hmm, where we're mm-hmm. trying to include, be inclusive. Right. You definitely don't belong if there's 10 people in a room and you're not one of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's about thinking through the strategy of that up yes. front. It's really important. Yeah. That is so cool. So Brenda, in your work with clients, with building that leadership brand, which I think is what, so that they can ripple out their values and their vision throughout the company, where do you start? Like, what is a good starting place for a, a self-assessment of where I am and where I need to go? Yeah. So there's three core steps to building a brand. I like to keep things pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Number one, you got to define it. Mm-hmm. You have to get crystal clear. Remember I mentioned those six elements that go yes. into defining every brand? You've yes. got to define those six elements. But And getting really clear on those, when most important is who is the audience for mm-hmm. my brand? Mm-hmm. Remember that it's the way you want others to perceive, right. think, and feel. Well, who are those others? It's really important and to understand that in a company environment. Is it my direct reports? Is it a group of peers? Is it senior leaders? Is it a department? And each one of those audiences, the most next most important thing is what do they need? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's two different types of needs, Laura. There's functional needs. I need this service delivered. I need that product to be made, whatever. And then there's emotional needs. Ooh, so tell me about that. So, and emotional how- needs are how you truly build a brand. When I meet people's emotional needs, you know, we often try to differentiate ourselves by what we do. I am an executive coach, I am a professional speaker, I am a communication expert, right? But right. so are hundreds of thousands of right. Other people, right? <laughs> so, you don't differentiate yourself. Where you differentiate yourself is by meeting your audience's emotional needs. What do do they need from you? How do they want to feel from working with you? It's not how you want them to feel. That's how they want to feel. Absolutely. It's always about them. Remember, it's not about you. 
So it's about them. What do they need from you? They need to feel that they can rely on you, that you're dependable, that Mm -hmm. they can share confidential information with you. They can trust you, that they can, that you will have the courage to speak up if need be, that Mm -hmm. you will be there in a crisis, whatever the, you have Mm -hmm. to find out what those needs are. But the king is once you understand what those needs are, that's how you build a strong brand. Mm -hmm. And that's really the difference, I think, in the excellence, because the facts, we can Google those. We don't even need you to tell us the facts. Just send us an email, right? It is that emotional connection. And as you say, meeting those emotional needs. So do you survey them? Like, how do you decide what those emotional needs are? You ask. (laughs) What? (laughs) You just ask, ask, so what do you need emotionally from me? Well, first of all, usually it's what do you need from me? How can I be a better? Uh, That's a favorite Mm -hmm. phrase of my mentor, Marshall Goldsmith. He always says, how can I be a better? How can I be a better employee? How can I be a better peer? How can I be a better boss? How can it works at home? How can I be a better wife? How can I be? My husband gave me a long list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. But the point is, the point is, how can I be a better? It's a really key question. Mm -hmm. How can I be better? And as you're listening to those responses, you're going to see most of them aren't going to be task oriented. A lot of them are going to be, I need to know you're going to be there when I need you. I need to know Mm -hmm. that your skin is in the game. Well, what is that really telling you? Mm -hmm. They need to know they can rely on you, that you are dependable. So this becomes part of the brand you want to create for yourself. How can I be a better? I am going to use that. I will share that I, I once had this, as an introvert who talks for a living, usually the end of the day or at lunch on the weekends, I am may have some cute, interesting stories about my day, but I'm not chatty Kathy. And I once had this thought, wow, maybe I'm putting too much of a burden on my husband by not by being so quiet, like in the car or even at the dinner table. Sometimes even I can't think of what to say. I feel like I've said everything. So I said, honey, would you like it if I talked more? And he said, no. <laughs> I was like, I love no. it. I was so relieved. So now when we have those quiet silences, I mean, that's redundant, those silent moments, which you're going to have when you've been married to somebody for a long time. I'm just like, I don't have to worry because if he wants to break the silence, he can say something. <laughs> so you might be surprised. I feel like the first time, let's say you ask everybody on your team and the one-on-ones, how can I be a better boss? I think the first time you ask them, they're not going to have an answer, but you have to keep asking, or am I wrong? What do you think? Actually, the key thing is to warn them up front. You're going to ask that question. Uh, Never ask that question because spontaneously, what would you say? Right? I mean, that's hard. Yeah, that is next, hard. next week during our one-on-one, I'm going to ask you one key question that's important to me. Mm-hmm. And that is, how could I be a better boss for you? And I'd love to have you come prepared to share maybe three, five things, whatever you feel is appropriate. But please know that I'm going to be very open to it. I'm going to be really excited to hear what you have to say, because I do want to be the best boss I can be. Give them I time to prepare. That. Yes. Okay. So that's it. You get. And what if you're on the report side, you want to be a better, I don't know. I want to be a better Better, subordinate. Yeah. I want to be a better direct report. Right. How can I be a better and team member for you? Yes. I love that. And what do you think when, let's say 
in a collaboration with peers, because you know that oftentimes it's peers that give us the most headache because of their peers. <laughs> We're not their boss and they're not our boss. So it's kind of awkward sometimes. So what do you think about building your brand with peers and that emotional connection? How can I be a better peer? Is that a good question to ask? A better colleague. How can I support you better in what you're doing? And how can we support each other better in what we're doing as peers? Absolutely. I see this versus our audience. I'm sure a lot of you are technical project or product managers working with engineers. And there's always this conflict it's almost built in, which I think just inherent to the nature of the business and asking, how can I be a better product manager for you, engineering manager? Yeah. So I think that would be a really good question to ask to get through that because the, the engineer often feels like they're being asked too much, like there's too much pressure, too many tasks, and they're trying to protect their team. But then the product manager has to push the product through. So asking, how can I be a better product manager, project manager, program manager, fill in the blank, right? Yes. But be careful that you don't fall into being too task oriented because there's always this balance when I work with engineering and finance and technology and that it's easy to fall into tasks. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, If you want to build a brand, as I mentioned, it's about the way you want people to perceive, think, and feel about you. It's not just about tasks. It's also relationships. So you really need to find that balance between tasks and relationships. Sometimes I ask people to draw a circle and pretend that it's a pie graph. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, now we're going to divide that pie graph into two parts. One part is going to be the percentage of time that you spend focusing on tasks. Mm -hmm. The second is going to be the percentage of time you spend focusing on relationships. What do you think that ratio looks like? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What do you think that ratio looks like? And most people that are in the engineering or technology or product space, they'll say, honestly, if I'm being honest, it's like 70 to 90% tasks. Maybe I'll sneak a little relationship in here or there. And what I always say to them, if you really want to raise up in an organization, one of the top things that senior leaders always tell me is relationships matter at that level. And so if you need to be building those relationships throughout your career, Whenever I've worked with young people, sometimes I'll be called in to run a program with very young people right out of university. Mm -hmm. The first thing Mm -hmm. I say is, what are you doing to build relationships? Because the relationships you build right now are going to be with you the rest of your career. Oh, that's so good. So what do you think they should do? Have Just reach out to people and have one-on-ones or invite them for coffee? It's too easy. You get wrapped up in tasks, right? (laughs) I got to get my work done. I can check them off the list, right? (laughs) And my point is to build it into your schedule. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go out twice a week with somebody new that I haven't met. Two Mm -hmm. times a week, I'm going to go with two different people at lunch. I'm just going to invite them for a coffee. I'm I'm just because I have to have lunch anyway. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, let's Mm -hmm. go and meet this person. I know for introverts, that can be challenging, but have an intention, Mm -hmm. right? Because I realize that this is going to help make me better. It's going to support our relationship better. That's going to help us, right? right. So it's just really, it's about making it a task to put on your checklist. Right. And yeah, <laughs> I'm, there's, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's nothing great, as great as that feeling of tucking things off your list. And there's nothing <laughs> so frustrating that 
you did something and you didn't have it on your list. <laughs> no, add it on, then check it off. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Well, this has been so interesting and helpful, Brenda. And, you know, good reminders of how building your brand is so like almost the mirror image of how you communicate with people because that perception, how other people perceive you, like, are, are you talking too much or not enough or too fast or too loud? That's building your brand and that's determining whether you're considered ready. They would say you're just, you're ready or you're not ready for this next step. And we all know very smart people who have been held back because they are just not good with relationships. And there's there's one more topic I want to ask you about this. I'm just thinking of a client I talked to last week is that she represents the type of the super duper duper smart expert in her field. And her perception is that she's much more knowledgeable about the domain, which I think was cybersecurity than everybody that she works with. But guess what? They all think she's a know-it-all. So what do you think she could do to and so every time I would present, well, you should listen more or ask more questions. She would say, I've done that. It's just that they don't know. And they think that A is the answer, but A will <coughs> never work because of X, Y, and Z. And so I have to tell them that it's going to be B and not A, and they get angry or hurt or something. So what? So, so here's what's the your thing. help for yeah. know it all? You remember when I said the first step in building a brand is to define it? Yes. But you also have to understand how your brand is perceived. Mm-hmm. So I do an exercise, fun, great exercise. You can actually find it on my YouTube channel. It's five words exercise. What is that? You engage someone, a friend, a coach, someone you can trust that's confidential, be confidential. And you give them the name of five to 10 individuals that work with you regularly, who you would like to understand how they perceive they can feel about you. You give those names and you warn those five to 10 people, hey, my colleague, so-and-so is going to be reaching out to you. They're going to ask you a question. Don't tell them what the question is. They're going to ask you a question and they want your spontaneous response. It's going to be kept completely confidential. Don't worry. I won't find out who said what. This person reaches out to those five to 10 people by phone, by Zoom, whatever, and asks one question. And that is, what are the first five words that come to mind when I say the name Mm-hmm. And you say that person's name mm-hmm. and they have to come up with the five words that just come top of mind. Okay. Can be loud or outgoing or smart or whatever it might be. And all their job is to write down those words. That's it. Now, if, by the way, just so another, if they only offer five positive words, mm-hmm. then you could say, Hey, that's great. Thanks for sharing those five positive words. Let me ask you if you could add one or two things that could be improved words mm-hmm. to describe something that could be improved. What would you say? So by the time you're done, you've probably got somewhere between 25 to 50 words mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. describe that describe the person that gathers them, mixes them all up. There's no comment of who said what, and you give them as a gift, those 50 words to that person being assessed. And they can then look at those and make clumps. Right. Aha, here is a clump of unapproachable, or here mm-hmm. is a clump of smart, or mm-hmm. here is a pump of loud or talking mm-hmm. too much, whatever it might be. And they go, aha. Now, then you say, what do I want it to be? What five words would I like to embrace? And you can compare those words to see, see right. how similar or different they are. And that gives you a North Star to start working towards. I want to improve my approachability. 
because mm-hmm. I, that's a work. So then I'm going to move into step two after I've defined my brand is to then communicate it successfully. And that's oh by the goodness. way you act, react, look, sound, and think. Those are the five things we all do every day that communicate our brand. Okay. So, yep. So am I, I acting it. approachable? Am I reacting in an approachable way? Am I looking approachable? Am I sounding approachable? Am I thinking approachable? All of that will drive the outcomes that you get. All right, you people listening, you're welcome. You have just gotten an executive coaching session with one of the top executive coaches in the world. So yes, you're welcome. I want to ask one more question about what you just said, because you mentioned how you look. And I work with a lot of people in the tech sector who look like they just got out of bed and they want to talk about executive presence. And if I bring up the topic, sometimes they get defensive because I'm in tech. And so I get to wear a ripped t-shirt. So just give me something. What do you think about what to wear or how you look? Two things. Number one, first, it depends on the audience. Mm -hmm. You have to be honest. Remember, our brand is about how others perceive, think, and feel about us. If others don't care what you look like, then it does. That's matter. okay. It literally. But if they do, matter. you need to be aware of that. I'll give you an example. Oh, I wrote a book on personal branding for job seeking and how oh. to make sure. Yeah, how do you build a brand for yourself as you're job seeking? And I interviewed sixty six zero different recruiters, many big, huge corporations, mm-hmm. universities, etc. One of them was Google. I call it, I got a great interview with Google. I said, I'm curious. Everyone knows Google, casual clothing, you know, care what you look like, right? So if someone shows up for an interview, are they supposed to dress down or dress up? Guess what their answer was? Dress up. Yes. Why? Because they want to know how you're going to look in front of clients. Oh, okay. Okay. Then I said, well, okay, okay, okay. That's cool. I get that for the first interview. What about you're done through the second interview and you've gone through the third interview and now you're in fourth interview? Do you get to dress down? Their answer was no. Until you have joined our ranks and you are a part of our team and you have an employment letter in hand, you are to dress the way we would want you to dress in front of a client. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting because as you know, and as everybody listening knows, they're thinking when you say, well, dress for your audience. In their head, they're saying, well, Laura, I have several audiences every single day. So I think it's just like when I think about what am I going to wear, I go for the occasion or the audience that needs the most dressing, the best dressing. That's what I wear for the day. Or that's the, the It's kind of like the highest common denominator, right? right? right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing, you can never overdress. Mm-hmm. You can okay. often underdress. Right. Okay. Well, good. This has been so interesting, so helpful. I mean, I feel like I've gotten this executive coaching session myself, (laughs) have copious notes, and I'm really just tickled to see the overlap between communication skill and brand building, but you just bring this very particular lens with which you view your, you know, the way you speak and look and make people feel, and that is so good. Let the audience know where they can find you or you want them to look you up on LinkedIn or a website and any parting words. And we'll call it a day for this international episode of the Speak Up podcast. Thank you, Laura. Listen, people can join me at my website, brendabents.com, but also LinkedIn, 
pretty good following and I have a lot of folks that share information with there as well. I have a YouTube channel with lots of exercises like some of the ones we talked about tonight as well. That's just Brenda Benz International as well. So feel free to reach out. I always love connecting with listeners. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all the practical and visionary tips that we're going to use to be build our brands, whether you work for Google or the water utility or your own company is really a service to other people, right? When you take the time and the effort to come across to other people in a way that's uplifting or encouraging or supportive, I think we're making the world a better place, even if we're just doing our jobs. So absolutely. Thank you, Laura. Wonderful to connect. All right, everybody. See you on the next episode. Bye-bye.